Not one, but two Monday nighters and the rest of the games that we didn't cover Monday from the week 15 schedule. Who is looking good and who is not to be playing deep into January? Our biggest takeaways from week 15 coming up right now. You're listening to the Peacock and Williamson NFL Show, your daily podcast on the National Football League, powered by the Locked On Podcast Network, your team every day. Welcome to the Peacock and Williamson NFL Show. Brian Peacock and Matt Williamson with you at BD Peacock at Williamson NFL. We've got time for questions later in the week. We do not have time for questions on this Tuesday episode, Matt. We've got two Monday night football games to cover and the rest of the Sunday slate we did not get to. Then there's two more games tonight, which we'll cover tomorrow. And then all of a sudden we're previewing week 16. It's madness out there in the NFL right now. And you know what else is madness now with that Browns loss Monday night is this playoff picture in the AFC and uh, these seven and seven teams are in a bad spot the Raiders still trying to cling on but the Browns falling to seven seven is really a big one and uh, they're behind nine teams anyway along with the Dolphins now along with the Broncos we've got to talk about both of those games from this weekend but really the AFC playoff pictures is wild because only three bad teams the Jets Texans and Jaguars are out of it yeah wild's a good description of what's going on in the league right now I mean Obviously, you know, Eastern time, we have two 7 o'clock Tuesday games tonight. Sure, that's normal. You know, no, no problem there. <laughs> hey, I like it better <laughs> yeah. than Thursday, to be honest, man. If they move I, all I know the, you're a Tuesday fan. I'm a Tuesday football guy. Yeah. And then, you know, last night, Eastern, we had a 5 and an 8. You know, sure, that's normal stuff. You'll probably get a kick out of this, though. My, my 15-year-old son came home from school, said he did homework, probably played Madden. Came down, and, <laughs> came down, and we started watching the game at five. Was done at eight. He's like, I can get used to this. This West Coast life isn't so bad. He's like, yeah, I mean, the first time he's really like experienced that. Yeah. Think about, you know, see the games through West Coast eyes. You know, rarely does he see the end of a Monday nighter. Yeah, for the for the primetime games, I'm sure it's great for someone who wants to get to bed at a normal time. Um, Back in the day for me, when I was an extreme night owl, it's much harder now with the son to be a, a night owl because he wakes me up at the crack of dawn every single day and <laughs> right. has, has really changed my life in, in many ways, as you would expect. But um, it used to be like I was jealous of the East Coast time just because I didn't like getting up for 10 a.m. football games. That just felt too early. That was breakfast time. You know, I like the 1 a.m. or 1 p.m. starts. At all. And then, you know, staying up to midnight to watch the, the primetime games is kind of money for me, you know, where it was. Nowadays, I'm kind of liking the, the West Coast time frame, though. It works a little bit better in, in a dad's schedule for sure. Yeah, my kids are older, so I'm back to being a, a night owl. And when those morning games overseas or around that's not my style <laughs> right yeah yeah for you 9 30 <laughs> 6 30 in the morning it's like well i'm not watching that one you have yeah. to catch that one a little bit later that's that's too extreme um <laughs> let's well, talk brownies though. yeah let's talk browns who lost to those pesky pesky las vegas raiders uh, as uh, the field goal went through the goal post as time expired he kicked two of them because they did get a timeout in 16-14, the final there. And when we talked about this game Friday, it was Raiders favored by one. So we nailed that one, even with the game moving to Monday and even with the COVID stuff. And it turned out to be that nobody really came back for the Browns. And it was Nick Mullins getting the start in that football game. And not much offense early for the Browns at all. And the second half got it going a little bit. There was one Nick Mullins touchdown pass to uh, Harrison Bryant. But, yeah, it, it was uh, one of my good friends who's a Raiders fan, hit me up during the game and he's like, this is like uh, JV football from back in our high school days. This is pretty <laughs> yeah. ugly. And I, I couldn't really disagree with feeling. him uh, for the most part in that game. 
I feel there was a little bit of that throughout the whole league this this week, to be honest. I mean, Texans, Jags, I talked about Niners, Steelers. It wasn't the finest moment for NFL football this week, to be honest with you. And, you know, you mentioned it, the AFC playoff picture. Take it even further, the AFC North playoff picture is just insane right now. And I don't know if you caught this, but if the, the Browns lost this game and are now in last place in their division, if they would have won this game, which is a difference of a field goal going in or not, they'd be in first place in their division. I mean, it was that <laughs> drastic. It's crazy. Uh, and conference tiebreakers hurts the Browns now. They dropped under 500 at 4-6, and six, so they're behind a lot of teams with conference record tiebreakers. Um, uh, it's, it's, it's insane to think that if they would have won, they'd be in first place in their division and by losing that maybe they're out of it. But that's the feel I get with the Cleveland Browns right now. That, that, that was it. That they, they're kind of done with three to play. There's just too many teams to leapfrog and, and too many things they would have to overcome for the math to work out for them to get in. Yeah, and I feel the exact same way that they probably have to run the table now. They're seven and seven. I don't think nine and eight gets you in. And, you know, they wanted this game moved and didn't get anybody really back for it. And I give them all the credit in the world for playing the Raiders as tough as they did. I mean, I thought they were going to get walloped, especially watching the game early. And, you know, Mullins was struggling. They couldn't get Chubb going. And I'm thinking, boy, they're, this is the end for the Brownies. But because they moved it to Monday, be careful what you wish for. They didn't get their guys back, and now they have to go to Green Bay next week on a short week yes. when they would have had a nice long week to prepare. So yeah. it's troubling times. Not great. Uh, not great at all. And the the Raiders at 7-7 seven and seven at least have a conference tiebreaker over a team like the Browns. But again, it's just right. there's too many teams ahead of them. There's two in their own division. There's uh, 10 teams ahead of them in the standings You know, with tiebreakers depending on how that goes the last few weeks. So really tough for those 7-7 seven and seven teams who'll be looking good in the NFC, not so much in the AFC. Yeah, and I've buried the, the Raiders for a while, probably prematurely. They, I mean, both these teams are 7-7, seven seven, so conceivably they could win out. But the Raiders, they have Denver at home at Indy chargers at home so i don't see a sweep coming around for the raiders and but both might. these teams overcame a lot this year yep and you you called it earlier on a few weeks ago nine and a half wins so for the raiders that means they got to get yeah. to 10 which would be a, uh which would be a sweeping out the rest of the season and that looks like it's going to be very difficult but not impossible for not impossible. las vegas both uh, these teams need to win out yeah we'll get to the other games from the afc north with the ravens and the Bengals in a bit here but we've got to finish up the monday night football portion of this and really just more of the same for the chicago bears and speaking of playoffs actually the vikings now at seven and seven with that win and in a pretty good spot here to battle for that last wild card spot in the nfc with the new orleans saints and so things are starting to kind of normalize there in uh, in the nfc and we're, we're seeing which teams are actually in this thing and which teams aren't and it's saints it's Vikings, and we'll find out if it's Washington or Philly uh, on Tuesday night. But the, the 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 Bears, it's just tough watching this team. Points are so hard to come by. It shouldn't be that difficult. Even the worst teams, even the Lions, even the, the Jets it's and really the Texans and the Jaguars, they're at least putting some points up on the board. The Bears right now cannot put up points, and uh, I... 
it doesn't help to fire your coach right now. It doesn't make you better now or really in the future unless you can start talking to other coaches, which I guess is one benefit. That's of it. key, but, yeah. But like, it's just it, it's 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 an ugly situation for the Bears, and they they needed that last time ticks off a, a walk off touchdown to lose the game to at least put six points on the board there and not even get a chance to attempt the extra point. But um, I come away just feeling bad for Justin Fields a lot of times watching these these games, and he's not perfect, and he's a rookie, but, man, uh, he's not getting any help at all. And the Vikings were just a better team and kind of held on and didn't really need to do all that much to win this game 17-9. No, I mean, rarely does a quarterback throw for 87 yards and your offense averages a paltry 3.2 yards per play and you beat a division opponent. And that's exactly what happened for Minnesota last night. It wasn't like they were great. Robert Quinn was wrecking stuff. Akeem Hicks was wrecking stuff. The Bears' D was a a handful. Cousins only completed 50% of his passes. Uh, There wasn't a ton of running room for Cook, who did you know still produced, and same with Jefferson. Not much from the other guys. But you're right. I mean, how many times, what was it? I think Kurt Warner was calling the game. Said about 4,000 times in this game, penalties and mistakes for Chicago backs them up. You <laughs> yeah. know, here's a one good play and then two steps back. I mean, it's all the time with these guys. And I mean, I don't know how you don't make a coaching change. And, and to your point, you know, these new rules, if you have an opening the last two weeks of the season, you can interview people. So if you know, it's coming, you might as well tear the bandaid off now. Yeah, and start I do feel bad for and, and, and at this point, you'll be at a disadvantage if you already know you're going to be looking for a head coach if you don't do that. So I think at yeah, this point, yeah. those coaches are going to start getting fired before two weeks because those decisions have to be made. And a team like the Bears, I mean, there's there's no way getting around it. No, no there isn't. And, you know, they, they have some young pieces like Cole Komet and Darnell Mooney and obviously Fields. I mean, like, this isn't a bad job. It's just, man, I mean, they don't have a first-round pick next year either, but I, I think it has to happen. I think it's a, it's a great job because there's some defense yeah, right. Like, I, I get the – like Especially if Rodgers leaves town. If, if Dan Campbell was the coach of the Bears this year, I mean – They would be I better. I feel like they would have three more wins at least, you know? Just by playing a different brand of ball, they, they just, the brand is awful. Um, it wasn't great for Minnesota, as you mentioned. The the throw by Kirk no, Cousins, where he aired it out, and there was not a the single punt? receiver. Yeah, that the arm punt that was that was a fun one. That that was that was something I've seen uh, probably a million times this morning. People are having fun with that one on social media by itself, no context football. Watching uh, Kirk Cousins just chuck it up into the middle of the field to nobody but uh, a bear safety I like that was so much air under it and this like really soft light pass like here please catch this you know and, <laughs> yeah. and you're waiting like where's the receiver in the screen that he thought was going to be there because like I, wasn't I it wasn't there <laughs> uh, my son and i had fun with that one too we yeah. rewinded a few times and jefferson fell but he let that ball go before or after Jefferson fell. If you watch it, you know, like wow, that was an odd yeah, play. Expect him to be there, I guess. I don't know. I mean, Dalvin Cook rushed it twenty-eight times in that game for only eighty-nine yards, but that was just like let's get out of here with a win because the passing yeah. game's not doing much in, the, in anyway. So you know, don't get anybody hurt. Let's run it. Let's go. And you're right that that six points that you know to finish up this game was a touchdown by true. Jasper Horstead, tight end for the Bears, yeah. and uh, from Princeton. I'm sure he's a fine young man, intelligent young fella, but never heard of him, and it was about the most meaningless touchdown in the world. 
However, I think some folks in Vegas very much would have liked the Bears to kick the extra point. Yeah, yeah. Uh, <laughs> depending on what side you were of that one, right. not, you, you loved the, non, the not not having an extra point or or having it. And it was funny because it was ruled not a touchdown at first. Then they said it was a touchdown on the field, and clearly it was a touchdown. Didn't we say pick up Jasper Horstead on Friday in your fantasy leagues? I'm pretty sure. Yeah, yeah. I thought we did. <laughs> Better than Tyler Conklin, who I've been playing with since Hawkinson got hurt. <laughs> All right, we got to move on from that ugly football game from Monday night. Really, two ugly ones. Uh, on, Let's move uh, on, on to some other football. ugly games. Yeah, there's some other ugly stuff from Sunday that we still haven't covered yet, and uh, hopefully it's much prettier Tuesday night, and we'll cover those games tomorrow. More from Sunday's slate of games. Some big ones coming up. You might listen to podcasts for the power of the inside track. You might switch to our friends at Boost Mobile, for the power of saving money. Because with Boost, you get the power of a free 5G phone so you can listen to the latest episodes and keep up with your favorite players and teams. The power of three unlimited data lines for only $30 a month per line so your family can share all the insights. And the power of one of America's largest 5G networks so you can do it all at the speed of 5G. G. I don't think I'm even on the speed of 5G right now. Maybe I, it's time to switch to Boost Mobile and find out what that's all about. With all the money you'll save and all that edge you'll gain, just how powerful will you become? Get a free Samsung Galaxy A32 5G when you switch to one of America's largest 5G networks. More power to save Boost Mobile Free phone limited to new customers and one per line. Additional restrictions apply. Offers and coverage not available everywhere or for all phones and networks. See BoostMobile.com for details. Super Bowl 56 at SoFi is less than 100 days away. And on location, the official hospitality partner of the NFL is the only place to score a once-in-a-lifetime Super Bowl ticket and experience package. You've never been to a Super Bowl. It is an amazing experience and you can get there in Los Angeles at SoFi Stadium. Select your exact seats and choose from elite experiences along the way featuring an exclusive pregame celebration with NFL legends, five-star Los Angeles hotels, and food by the great Wolfgang Puck. So visit onlocationexp.com SB56 for more information or Search Super Bowl on location. That's onlocationexp.com slash SB56 or search Super Bowl on location. Let's finish up the AFC North next, Matt. And a really big game with the Packers and Ravens and the Green Bay Packers in a good one. A thriller, 31-30. The Packers coming away in Baltimore with a win there. And now... The Packers, the first team to clinch their division and clinch a playoff spot in the NFL at 11-3 and in control of the one seed now in the NFC, and that is huge to have that buy in the new playoff structure. The Ravens falling to 8-6, and but with the Browns loss still in an okay place there and uh, record-wise tied for first place in the AFC North. Tyler Huntley still, you know, like playing pretty good. That I think you got to po- co- uh, point to coaching. Really good. You got to point to just the overall structure. And to be honest with you, this might be the matchup of coaches of the year, in my opinion, in the NFL with Harbaugh and uh, Matt Lafleur. The way these t- two teams are playing, um, I think one of those coaches deserves it. I don't think Harbaugh will get enough credit for what he's done this year with the Ravens. Oh no! Unfortunately. Harbaugh is getting killed for going for two against Steelers and then going for two in this game. 
But boy, is there some under Monday morning quarterbacking going on there. I mean, if either one of those is a successful play, he's a genius and now he's an idiot. I think he's done a remarkable job to keep this team eight and six. I mean, the, the preseason injuries that hit the Ravens are remarkable and it hasn't gotten any better since. I really think they're in big trouble, though, to be very honest with you. I mean, their remaining schedule is quite difficult as well at Cincy, Rams, Steelers at home. I think the Bengals have the best chance to win this division, and I might even say the Steelers are two because I don't like where the Ravens are at. But, wow, do I give them credit for storming back in this game. Such a tough, well-coached team. They made this very, very interesting. Um, a couple notes. I feel very confident, especially after Brady's performance this past week, that Rodgers is the clear MVP to me and clearly the best football player in the world right this minute. I mean, I, I, I believe that wholeheartedly right now. Hundley, <laughs> you know how we're always looking for quarterbacks for the Steelers. I've probably been asked 800 times this week, what about Hundley for the Steelers' next quarterback? You know, like it, he's getting that kind of buzz and everyone clicks on him and goes, he's a free agent. Folks, he's an exclusive free agent which means he has no rights whatsoever. No. The Ravens are not going to let this guy go. He's yeah. a good player. This is a successful situation for them. And they need a backup, clearly. with um, Great backup for Lamar. Right. So it's a perfect situation there. Cost and the, the Ravens aren't going to let him go unless you're you're throwing draft picks their way. And they'll, they'll pick up his option for that ex- exclusive rights free agency coming up. And um, But I wouldn't be shocked if a team wanted to throw a draft pick at at sure. the Ravens for Huntley, the the way he's looked, but uh, there's there's you know it's down on the list of things probably for a team like the Steelers to be looking for to solidify that because you still wouldn't be solidifying things. You're just kind of throwing you know if he's a free agent, and you're getting him for cheap. Yeah, you're throwing a uh, you you you're you know just throwing a prayer out there to see what you get. But now I don't think that's going to be something that that right. saves any teams. Um, but huge win uh, for the Packers. Drop you couldn't drop a better backup for Lamar. He costs nothing. He's young. He's the same mold. He's playing extremely well. Yeah, love him. I mean, two touchdown passes, two two uh, rushing touchdowns. Like he was, that was Lamar like, you know. Exactly. Lamar's never done that. Actually, I just read that today. Uh, any other notes on this game? Because uh, very just interesting. One. Okay, go ahead. Because I, I want to get to the Bengals next too, and I'm, I'm getting excited now thinking about that Ravens Bengals game next week, which might be for the division. Yeah, it might. Um, 20 catches combined for Andrews and Marquise Brown in a Tyreek Kelsey-like manner. However, I got to blame Green Bay's defense a little bit here. Like, it got to the point where, can't we just double Andrews a little? Like, that is the whoopee of all whoobies. You know, they're, you're going to them every time they need a play, and the Packers didn't really adjust. And maybe they were, maybe the Packers were more worried about, okay, we put too much attention in the middle of the field, then maybe Brown will get over the top. And Brown wasn't able mm-hmm. to get over the top. So it seems like that was maybe their thought process there. And look, they, they won by a point and they got out of there with the win. Um, and I guess if you have to pick one or the other, you would rather keep both Andrews and Brown in front of you than have the big play from Brown because he caught 10 passes, but he only had 43 receiving yards, Marquise Brown. That's rare for him. Right. Right. Four. 14 targets ends up with 43 yards. Yeah, so, pretty so kudos to that, but right. at the expense of Andrews just ripping you up. Yeah, it's kind of one or the other there, I think, in that mm-hmm. situation. It's kind um, of a Kelsey Hill type deal. Cincinnati Bengals beat those Denver Broncos 15-10 to in Denver. A scary injury for Teddy Bridgewater. 
Drew Locke finished that game out for the Broncos. Uh, didn't matter, and it kind of went as we expected. That Broncos offense, it, it's um, the, the passing game just doesn't it doesn't put up points, and uh, the Bengals put up enough points with 15 to win that game, and and no points in the fourth quarter either. So it wasn't like you know that that game was ripe for the plucking if if the Broncos were able to run down the field and put points on the board, and they were not able to against the Bengals' defense. So the Bengals in a good place right now at 8-6. and six. And uh, due to tiebreakers, would be first in the AFC North. But as we know, they play the Ravens next week, which will be a fun one. Now the question is, the Broncos, do we bury them alongside the Raiders and the Browns in the AFC at 7-7? Seven and seven? Yeah, I was just about to say that. I think the Denver now needs to run the table. They got Vegas, Chargers, Chiefs. I don't think that's in the cards probably for Denver, but they've been better than I've expected. Hope Bridgewater's all right. Don't get me wrong. Um, the Bengals, to me, are the best team in the North and are kind of in the driver's seat. They are, what are they doing? They are going, hosting Baltimore, hosting the Chiefs at the Browns. So it's not a cakewalk for Cincinnati at all, and the North could change very quickly. Um, <laughs> one thing I wanted to mention, very fantasy-oriented these two passing games are getting pretty frustrating. You know, like they, Cincinnati has really cut down on Burrow's attempts. I mean, only throwing the ball 22 times is a little odd to me. And I know Denver's defense is very respectable and a very difficult one to play against, but I think you got to let Joe air it out a little bit more. And Denver is just always the case, especially with Teddy. I'm not picking on Teddy, but it's really hard to start judy or sutton or any of the tight ends like it, it there's a lot of pieces of pie and it's a small pie in denver for passing production. it's a very small pie and yeah. you know you could get tim patrick for free in a lot of fantasy leagues either before the season or during the season at some point and you know in a pinch he's kind of the guy that it has some value he just should. because of how cheap he was but maybe the most uh, disappointing fantasy player since he was drafted is, is Jerry Judy. Cause I still think the talent's there and you look at some of the advanced numbers, he's getting separation. He's not getting the football. Um, like I, it would be a, like I, I would own every bit of stock in Jerry Judy that exists next year. If say the Browns yeah, were able yeah, to trade yeah. for Aaron Rodgers or something like that. Right. If you can um, get him cheap in dynasty right now, go all in. Right. But uh, as of now, it's just like he it's, it's so disappointing on offense and they're all running game and you know, they ran the ball a lot and they owned time of possession in this game. The defense did its job, but you know, the offense uh, just didn't do enough. And unless you're getting big runs and putting points on the board with a running game, uh, the passing game is just not doing it for Denver. So it's, it's almost similar to how it goes for, um, the Chicago Bears right now with, with that right. game and uh, not quite as extreme, but still pretty bad. And so they got to figure something out on offense this offseason because I don't think that it's going to be a postseason for them this year. No, uh, two, two small nuggets here. I do think the Bengals offensive line has been exposed a little bit lately, which we kind of saw coming. It's not a great group of players. That's their weakest po point of their, of their team to me. And Denver I think it's done enough. I mean, they've, you know, beat expectations that I'm, I bet Fangio is back, but I think an offensive coordinator change needs to occur. Yeah, that's, I mean, a quarterback is so important for them, even sure. if like, but you can't know what you're going to get. And if you're not going to get a star, you know, if you can't get Russell Wilson or Aaron Rodgers, then I almost think that maybe you do have to change 
coaching staffs, but you won't know that until you already have to, right. have to figure out the coach first. So that's Timing's a tough one. Weird. That's one really that's going to be fun to watch because um, I, I, I wouldn't really argue if they went either way because Vangio is obviously a really good coach and would, would get snatched up in five seconds as a team's defensive mm-hmm. coordinator somewhere and probably end up being the highest paid defensive coordinator in the league. Ever. Yeah. Um, right. And and I wouldn't sh- I wouldn't blame the Broncos for holding on to Fangio. And if they fired him, I wouldn't blame him either because the, you know the defense was has been good for a while there. They've got to figure out the offense, and uh, maybe that means hiring the best offensive coach you can find. Yeah, I mean, I'm not giving Fangio a hard time, but he's always struck me as more elite coordinator than yeah. head coach. Mm-hmm. Yeah, I've kind of got that same vibe from him, and he's really good. Yeah. And obviously, he's got his defense playing really good. Yeah, absolutely. Okay. We've got a ton of games to get to. We're going to have to go fast here in the final segment, Matt, and cover the rest of the schedule we did not get to yet. We've got games like Jets-Dolphins, Cowboys-Giants, Texans-Jaguars, and I think that's it. Okay, good. We we did pretty well for ourselves, actually, here. And then, yeah, maybe if there's some new thoughts from those games that we've already talked about but are now have been moved to Tuesday, we'll finish up this episode of Peacock and Williamson. A reminder that Bet Online remains your number one spot for all the sports action this season. Bet Online has you covered for more props, more odds, more lines than ever before as this football season continues and the march to the playoffs. If you think you know which teams are good or not, you can find those odds at betonline.ag. Head to the new updated desktop or mobile version of the website. Sign up today and receive your 50% welcome bonus on your first deposit. Just use promo code LOCKED ON. Again, that's promo code LOCKED ON to receive your 50% welcome bonus. Not only football, basketball, college and pro, NHL, boxing, UFC, your favorite Vegas casino games all can be found at betonline.ag. So don't wait to take advantage of all the amazing offers available for the 2021 season and those futures for 2022. Bet online is the fastest and easiest way to bet on all of your favorite sports. Bet online where the game starts. In fact, maybe we don't have to go that fast because I don't think there's a lot to talk about in some of these games except for some uh, of them are <laughs> yeah, draft status with the Texans and Jaguars. And look out, it would be those Jacksonville Jaguars with back-to-back first overall picks if things continue to go the way they have after the upset win from the Detroit Lions getting their second win of the year, also having a tie. That makes the 2-12 and Jaguars who lost 30-16 to behind both the Lions and the Texans now who uh, won this one and improved to 3-11. and yeah, I mean, obviously this is, you know, the the toilet bowl to some degree, of course, and has draft ramifications. And I don't know if there's as much at stake for draft spots this year as most. You know, it's not like the loser gets Lawrence or Locke or somebody like that. Like, is Thibodeau that much different than, you know, the other guys that are going to get t- you know taken really high? I would argue, so I think, actually, sorry to interrupt you there. No, I would no, argue cool. the team that needs to be at the top the most is the New York Jets. Because they need one of those yeah. edge rushers for Robert Sala's defense. If they could get Hutchinson or Thibodeau, but those two guys might go one and two, and the Jets might be hanging out at you know the fourth or fifth pick this year behind those other three teams, and not have a shot at that different making edge player because they already have their quarterback. The Jaguars, it's nice for them to be up there because they do have their quarterback in place. Um, I don't know if the Texans or Lions. I have a sneaky suspicion one of those quarterbacks will push their way up toward the top. Maybe Malik yeah, Willis has a huge probably. Senior Bowl, and we're already going over time. We probably shouldn't be talking. About 
about draft stuff right now quite yet with these teams, but there's no clear-cut quarterback at the top. So uh, the team that already has a quarterback that needs a dynamic edge presence that could be a difference maker for the defense in Hutchinson or Thibodeau, I think that would be a big win for those teams. But there's some other prospects that will probably be worth top five picks. I don't think anybody's going to be upset where they're at, but uh, I think maybe this year more than others, maybe it's not. maybe last year playing for that top pick would have meant more than it does this year. Yeah, speaking of early picks, you mentioned buying stock in Jerry Judy. I would buy so much stock in Trevor Lawrence right now because you can get mm-hmm. that you can pick up that IBM at a nice price. I don't think he's the problem at all. And I think a lot of people expected, you know, and Vegas the line showed us this, the Jags are going to bounce back huge cuz Urban's out of there and the a weight is lifted. Lawrence still looks like an elite prospect to me. Not an elite player yet, but an elite prospect. I would buy every bit of stock of his I possibly can. And I might pick up a couple shares of Davis Mills while I'm at it. This guy, Hmm. Mac Jones aside, has improved more than any rookie quarterback this year. And it's not like he came in the league with a weak arm or not much pedigree. You know, like there's something there. He does have some talent. Um, Yeah, right. I would worry that he's shown enough for Houston to, as we talked about, there's no quarterback at the top of the draft to kind of just end up in limbo at quarterback and and, and roll with Mills in a way that really doesn't make them better in the long run. Do you know? Here's my hunch on this. I, I think their quarterback room next year will be Mills and Jimmy or somebody like that, mm-hmm. or Mills and the second pick in the second round, or more likely you move the 26th in the first round and you grab Sam Howe and Mills, right. you know, something I, like that. I think that's where this draft is going to get fun is, okay, do these teams go Hutchinson, Hutchinson, Thibodeau at the top, then jump back into the first round for their quarterback right, exactly. in the 20s? And, and I like that strategy for some of these teams like the for Texans like Jets and, Houston and Lions. and those type of teams. Yeah. yeah. All right. Uh, we got to move on from this game. There's not really much worth talking about as far as play in this game. Houston's a little bit respectable lately. Yes, and Brandon Cooks, another 100-yard game here in a bad situation. Seven catches, uh, 102 yards, two touchdowns. So, um, again, another player that probably deserves to not be in Houston, and he's put up six now out of eight years, 1,000-yard receiving seasons for Brandon Cooks. And doesn't get talked about. One of the weirdest careers ever. Yeah, (laughs) how many times he's been traded. Could get traded again this offseason. Who knows? Yeah. And he's because people want him, not because right. he's a bad guy. He's got T.O. at the end of his career. He's had as many first-rounders traded for him as like as Matthew Stafford and, and some of these quarterbacks that have been traded <laughs> right, for multiple right. first-rounders. I, I, I'm glad you brought up Cooks. I wanted to bring up Cooks and James Robinson. Both those guys are stuck in awful situations but are really good football players. All right, let's go east to finish this podcast up with uh, another couple of uh, – well, one team that's fighting for a playoff spot – and one team that's fighting for a draft pick, and and suddenly the Dolphins are in that conversation. Too little, too late, probably, but improving to 7-7 now on the year and and playing some really good football with with Tua. It is kind of sort of an, uh, I would say it's an underreported aspect of what's going on around the league just because so many other teams and and the Dolphins were kind of written off early and it seemed that the Dolphins had moved on from Tua mentally and were trying to go get Watson and that still might happen this offseason but Tua's putting up a a really nice second half of his season and a whole bunch of wins for those Miami Dolphins that are now 7-7 and beating the Jets 31-24. Yeah we've talked a lot of AFC 7-7 and teams maybe we should even revisit this tomorrow after we recap games but I don't know that Miami's a powerhouse, but they are on fire. 
They go to New Orleans. They go to Tennessee, who's terrible at the moment. And then they host the Patriots. And maybe the Patriots are even resting guys. So of the 7-7 seven and seven AFC teams we mentioned, I like their chances better than Denver, Vegas, Cleveland. I do too. And they're 5-5 five and five right now in the conference. So looking at conference tiebreakers, if that comes into play and they win those games, they'll have a tiebreaker most likely. Uh, a lot of these teams are kind of right around 500, so that obviously could change. Um, but I I would put if, – if if you had to bet on teams that were seven – that had seven wins, uh, yeah. I mean, I might just because the Steelers have that half a game and that tie – Maybe put the Steelers over the Dolphins, but I might even pick the Dolphins over the Steelers, let alone the Raiders and they're playing Browns better and Broncos Pittsburgh. right now. Right, they are. I mean, there's no doubt about that. A um, couple stats, I think, that, that bear a lot of weight in this one. Uh, Miami really controlled the football for about 10 minutes more than the Jets, even though they turned the ball over three times. You know, they had a much better yards per play. They were way more efficient with the football. Um two things that really stood out to me, Duke Johnson, two touchdowns over a hundred yards, you know, like, holy smokes. Have they found something? I've always <laughs> yeah. kind of liked them. And they sacked Zach Wilson six times, you know, right. like, this defense is nasty. Yeah. And, and Zach Wilson's, I, I think of all the rookie quarterbacks having the worst year, clearly. And it's not, yes. getting, it's not getting better. He's not making even as many wild throws as, as um, Justin Fields, even though Justin Fields rookie Biden year close. has been really bad too. And, and Fields is making more big plays with his legs, even though Zach Wilson did get in the end zone with a rush in this game, uh, had a rushing touchdown, no passing touchdowns, but it's looking bad. He's, he's, he's definitely underwater a little bit right now. Things moving quick for him and way too early to write him off or anything like that, but it's just been a rough go and not a lot of talent. I mean, but there's some receiving talent. I mean, if you, if Fields had the receivers that, Wilson's having maybe uh, maybe we'd be talking about a different story with the Bears and and Justin Fields. Who knows? But um, a lot it, of work it definitely to be done. Time anyway. to write him off, but it couldn't have been much of a worse rookie. Year. Yeah, it's it's just it's not getting better either. There's there's no. I, I, there, it's hard to put a finger on what it is too. I mean, it's obviously when problem, you get sacked man. six times, he's not dealing well with pressure. Um, no. I think, you know, strength of opponent is big with the jump from BYU to to what he's dealing with in the NFL and his team's worse than other teams. Uh, banged up offensive line, you know, all, all bad things combined. Yeah, it absolutely is. His supporting cast isn't hideous, though. No. You know what I mean, like, they have some linemen and, you know, like, there's some pieces in place here. And you're right. I mean, it'd, it'd be really interesting to see Thibodeau or Hutchinson land here, bring Lawson back. He was gone for injury. Like, then you'd have that Robert Salah line yeah maybe even a Devin Singletary and you know a free agent tight end or something it's like okay I mean there, there's progress here but right there's no progress with the quarterback at the moment. Tua was two touchdowns he did throw a couple of picks in this game 16 of 27 this is probably Tua's worst game of that streak um but again Duke Johnson out of nowhere uh, sniping Miles Gaskin fantasy owners for touchdowns there. <laughs> and, and yeah, a lot kinda, of people are excited about, you know, I'm going to get Gaskins in my lineup. Yeah, not so much. Yeah, and he doubled up carries for Gaskins. So all of a sudden, it's like, okay, Duke Johnson's the big pickup in fantasy football for the playoffs right now, but it's it's hard to trust that he's still going to be the guy going forward. Is it a committee now in Miami? I don't know. Um, but 22 carries for 107 yards and two touchdowns. Wow. I got to think about it more, but I'd have a hard time starting Duke Johnson next week with my fantasy season on the line. Uh, Waddle was out in this game. He's already been re—he's uh, already been reinstated or whatever you call it. Anyway, Come, he's off mm-hmm. the COVID list now, so uh, Waddle will be at, back next week for the Dolphins too. And Parker and Gusecki stepped up well. Mm-hmm. 
Finish up with the Cowboys and Giants. 21 to... No, did we talk... No, we already talked Cowboys-Giants, didn't we? Yeah, yeah we, did. we did. Giants are in bad place. Right, yeah. yeah. We don't need to go over how bad and how ugly that game was and how bad the Giants are right now. Um, Daniel Jones, officially out for the year, though. That is worth noting. That's, yeah. That's a tough decision, too. I mean, what, what's their quarterback situation be next? It'd be nice if Jones could have at least played, you know, the majority of the season, if not the whole thing, to really evaluate him this year. So when in doubt, I think you rule against Daniel Jones. And the, you know, I'm really antsy to get to our, and it's going to have to be maybe a series of multiple podcasts, um, or maybe break it up into two shows by conference or something, but go through each team's quarterback situation. Yeah. Most of them, I think, are, are pretty set, and you know what's going on, but, you know, okay, best option. Option A, that this team should be going for, then maybe uh, the best fit, and then maybe just the fallback option. So sort of the, the top three ways that it could go at quarterback for different franchises because that fascinates me, and uh, I really think Russell Wilson's the guy for the New York Giants if they can talk him into wanting to go there and make that happen. Like, just figure it out. Big market, new GM, go make it happen, New York Giants, because there's some receiving talent there, and they've got enough talent on the defensive side of the ball to turn that thing around quickly. And I feel like yeah. that's a good fit for Russell Wilson to go to New York. He wants to be in the limelight, right? They have the picks to make it happen, too. Right. I mean, yeah. you, you've mentioned that many times, and every time you talk about it, I'm like, yeah, that's what that team needs. You know, Bring a winner in there that, you know, make it Russell's team. Go. And Russ, are the Giants probably because they're bad, wasn't one of the four teams this past offseason that were on Russell Wilson's list. Uh, the New Orleans Saints were one of those teams that are being the quarterback market, too. So mm-hmm. I don't know. I, I don't want to get ahead of ourselves because that's a whole podcast. Uh, but that'll be fun in the offseason to go through uh, quarterback landing spots and the quarterback carousel, which is going to be another storyline to follow all offseason long. Any thoughts on these Tuesday night games before we go? Any different th- ideas about how these look now on Tuesday rather than uh, what when we thought they were going to be played with Seahawks at Rams and Washington at Philly? Feeling pretty darn good about the Rams and the Eagles. Um, the Rams seem to have gotten a lot healthier because of this break. That helps guys like Odell. I mean, I think are, are difference makers. I don't like where Seattle's at. I mean, I even put money on the Rams. Wow. Like a whole, a full week ago before the COVID stuff came out. Um, I just think that Seattle's a little overrated at the moment. Washington. The one thing we didn't mention about them is, well, first of all, they have quarterback issues, but, they're missing like almost their whole coaching staff. Like I wonder if this just looks very dysfunctional for the football team tonight. It, it doesn't bode well, I think for for either away team, and it really helped the Rams to have that game moved. Unlike the Cleveland Browns last night, and so I think that bodes well for them at home. They're favored by seven. It's hard to argue with that line. And then the Eagles, uh, even at six and a half, I think this is, really lines up well for the Eagles to to do some damage and beat Washington soundly. So. Yeah, which absolutely. is huge and that really boosts the Eagles chances in the NFC if that happens and then they get Washington again in a couple weeks so uh, we'll see it's going to be fun Matt and I will have both those games broken down for you tomorrow and then take some of your questions before we start looking at the rest of the schedule to end the week thanks for making us your first listen by the way every single day here on Peacock and Williamson now go make your second listen Locked on Bets your daily one-stop shop for all your gambling needs Locked on Bets hosted by your boy Q with expert analysis and insight from Lee Sterling, it's free and available on all platforms, as is this podcast, as is Locked On 49ers, hosted by myself, as is Locked On Dynasty Football, hosted by Matt Williamson and others. Back tomorrow, right here, Peacock and Williamson.